Sunday we talked about um, we talked about Haggai chapter one and chapter two and how they were rebuilding uh, a temple and in and nineteen years all they had was the foundation laid and so it only took four years to finish the deal but it took them nineteen years to get the foundation laid so. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, but so the message was urge, a message of urgency in a time of discouragement. And of course, we took it to the next level when we get to chapter two and we realize that the, the temple that he's building now, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so he's working in you. The original temple, by the way, that, that David commissioned Solomon to build cost $55 billion. No, no, but people get this idea that he's El Cheapo. Did you know in Genesis chapter 15, he was talking to Abraham. We'll call him Abraham because he changed his name to that anyway. I think in verse 5 or verse 6, he gave, he gave Abraham 32 million acres of property. In Genesis 13 too, it says that Abraham was very rich with silver and gold. Galatians 3.29 says, if any man be in Christ, he's Abraham's seed and heirs of the promise. Don't you think that he can get you a piece of property? Don't you think that he can get you a house? Don't you think that he can take care of your business? So, no, we believe so small because we don't really look at the Bible and what it's saying. $55 billion. To, can you imagine if somebody built a temple like that today? All the extravagance. The waste of money that could have been given to the poor. That's the Judas spirit. When you, when you get that idea that it should have been given to the poor, that's the Judas spirit. You don't, you don't want to say, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that spirit. But anyway, so when, if the temple that he's building now is more valuable than the one he built then. And you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Come on. Come on. And so we started out in 2020, calling it a decade of destiny and, uh, and uh, 2020 vision for 2020. And while our eyes were opened uh, and we didn't see things the way that we thought they would. But, you know, seasoned ministries, seasoned ministries, people that we highly respect have made some declarations over this decade. And just because things don't look the way that I thought they should, I walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not moved by the circumstance, not moved by what I feel or see. I'm moved along by the word of God. And again, I always point you back to Joel 2.23 to the end of the chapter. If you want to know the last days, read. Read, read that. Well, there's tons of things in there. But that is really good because it talks about a lot of restoration taking place in the church. A, a lot of things that have been stolen from you being restored. And a lot of dreams, you know, the Satan hates dreamers. He hates people that dream. He threw one dreamer, you know, Genesis 37, he threw him in a pit. Tried to destroy the dreamer and the dream. That's how he operates. And just because, you know, in Proverbs 13, 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Don't, don't, don't allow time. Luke 21, 19 says, in your patience, you possess your soul. You got to have faith and you got to have patience. And then and then you got to do what James said. James was crazy. <laughs> Chapter 1 and verse 2. Count it all joy, my brethren, 
when you fall into diverse temptations, tests, and trials. Yippee! Knowing that the trial of your faith produces patience, and when it patience has its perfect work, you'll be complete, entire, and, and wanting nothing. It doesn't say you'll be finished. It says you'll be complete. I'm telling you, you know, th those verses are written there so that you'd, you'd realize, hey, if I'm really trusting, if I'm really believing God, what does it matter what it looks like right now? I, I know the end of the story. And so I can cope with faith and hope. I, I got my coping stuff. All right. I can cope with hope. I can cope with faith. I can go through all kinds of things when, when that's operational in my life. When I'm counting it all joy. Hallelujah. When you count it all joy. When you count it all joy, Louise, when you're fighting every day for your health. You know, you count it joy. It doesn't mean that it is. It's an accounting term. I'm reckoning this is a good time right now. How are you doing? I'm having the time of my life. Thank you very much. No, but that's the attitude because the attitude will determine your altitude, right? You got to have that. But anyway, Pastor Paul and I were talking the other day, so I want to go to Acts chapter 7. Because, because Moses had a dream. Moses was another dreamer. You know, he's given you exceeding great and precious promises. When you have a promise and you put the promise out there, you can walk toward the promise. You keep the promise in sight. That's your goal. What God has called you to is your promise. He's called you. Did you know that? Yeah. And he didn't call you because of your ability. Say, <laughs> so aren't you glad? No, no. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's nothing to do with your ability. Okay, anyway, in chapter 7, you know, Moses got a revelation that he was to, to deliver the Egyptians. And like many of us, he decided to help God. Come on, Abraham had Hagar and set the whole deal back 13 years, right? Anyway, Moses, matter of fact, in verse 23, it says, by the way, if you read Acts chapter 7, this message that Stephen preached, it describes the whole new covenant of the old covenant to you. It's just such a powerful sermon that he preached. It says, when he was, this talking about Moses, Moses, verse 22, learned all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And look at this, he was mighty in words and mighty in deeds. Remember later, 40 years later, he says, I'm, I can't even speak. You know, send Aaron, I, I, I can't even talk. So something happened to him because he was mighty in words and mighty in deeds. He was a famous soldier married to Princess Tharbis, and they, were, they had it going on, you know. And so, but anyway, it says uh, that he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. But when, when he got to be 40 years old, it came into his heart that he was to go visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and attempted and, 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 and avenged him that was oppressed. He killed an Egyptian. So, so now God has called you to do something, and, and now you're going to do it one person at a time. No, but think about how silly this is. You're going to deliver the people, but you're going to kill an Egyptian and hide him in the sand. 
bear your mistakes like a doctor. Anyway, so, so, so it says, uh, in verse 25, it says, for he supposed that his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they didn't understand. And so he got out ahead of God. How many of you have never done that? You had a good idea. Ask God to bless it after it started falling apart. Okay, so I'm with, I'm with the right people tonight. Anyway, in verse 29, it says, Then Moses fled, saying, saying, and was a stranger in the... He fled at the saying. Okay, the, he found out that the, that the Pharaoh was now going to kill him for murder. Murder was a criminal offense. So, so now he's running from Pharaoh, and he says, So Moses ran at the saying, and he went to be a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begot two sons. But again, let's go to Proverbs 13, 12, because it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But he doesn't leave you with that. <laughs> hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Amen. You need a promise. And then you need to go after the promise. And when you hear prophecies, and again, I, I, I tell you this because I made this mistake for years and years. I remember one person in particular, Ron Kuspel, had prophesied some detailed things over us and over the church. And I put it away on a filing cabinet waiting for it to happen. Because I didn't know what, what Paul told Timothy. Let's go see what Paul told Timothy. In Timothy chapter 1. I didn't know this. Matter of fact, I didn't know this until a year ago. <laughs> no, you can read your Bible. <laughs> you can read your Bible. You know, some people read and get all the grace verses out and not realize that obedience counts too. And so, you know, they live a sloppy life and expect the blessings of God to come on them and it doesn't work. Why isn't it working, God? Because you're not doing what I told you to do. <laughs> Simple as that, right? <laughs> I mean, he's limited. See, God is limited in what he can do in your life. He's limited by what he wrote in the book. Like, he might want to bless your socks off, but if you're not in line, he can't go against his word. The day he goes against his word, the universe goes boom. <laughs> Everything is held together by the quirks and the quarks that God's word spoken. And uh, anyway, 118, Timothy, 1 Timothy 118 says, This charge I commit unto you, Timothy, son, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went on before you, that you might do a warfare with them, that you by them might do a good warfare. So what does that mean to you and me? That means God will give you a promise, but it's not going to fall on you. You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. He said in Matthew chapter 11 that the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. He's saying you're going to have to get, you're going to have to get violent. No, you're going to have to get aggressive because the devil doesn't have any right to anything that belongs to you. He's an illegal alien, and you've got a birth certificate. Amen. It belongs to you. 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. The, the only limit that, that you have on your life is the one you put there. And so you get a hold of the promises, and then you fight for them. Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. The bully won't automatically leave you alone. He's a bully. He won't leave you alone until you knock him in the head with an object. Knock him in the head with the word. Keep knocking him in the head with the word. He'll leave you after a bit. So I've got a part to play. I have to receive the promise, and then I've got to obey the word. How do I know that? Because in verse nine, 19, it says, holding faith and a good conscience, which by some having concerning faith have made shipwreck. They, they, they sunk their own boat. God will never sink you. Matter of fact, again, Numbers 23, 19. I'm not a man that I would lie, the son of a man that I would repent. I spoke that I would bless you, and blessing I will bless you, and I won't. He'll never, he'll never change his mind about blessing you. So the only one that can interfere would be me. And I have to watch myself because, like, you know, you take Proverbs 18, 20, 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. They love to eat the fruit that appears, right? So life and death, notice I said life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue because we're more prone to being negative than we are positive. <laughs> no, no, it's, we're, it's easy to speak the negative things. That's why the prophecies come. That's why the word of God exceeding great and precious promises that you might partake. You might, you might not. You might partake of his divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. You might, and you might not. You can read it and say, wow, that's wonderful. Isn't that great? But until you fight for it, until you get a hold of it and say, no, that's mine. I refuse. I refuse to let you in my house. You're not coming in my house. I've got the door locked. Don't you try sneaking in my house. Tell the devil, don't you try sneaking in my house. You're a liar and a cheat, and I can smell you coming. So don't let the devil drag you away from your dream. Don't let the devil drag you away from what he's promised you. Yeah, but you know how long it's been. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when, the, when it comes to pass, it's the tree of life. Life is on its way to you. If it's been a while, it's, you're closer now to your dream than you ever were. I mean, you know, they thought Jesus was coming soon 2,000 years ago. Well, but if it was soon 2,000 years ago, guess what? I don't know when he's coming. But I do know that he's here. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did back then, he's doing right now. And he'll do whatever he can for you. All you need to do is fight the good fight of faith, and lay hold of eternal life. There's a fight. How long do you fight? Until you win. It's in, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. You know, thanks be to God who always, 
I like that always, but I like it all kinds of ways too. Always causes us to triumph in Christ, not in Gary, in Christ. You know, like Paul, the, like 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 Abraham rather said in Romans chapter four. He, he said, "I'm per, I'm fully persuaded that what God has promised me, He is also powerful to perform it. So I don't have to perform it." All I got to do is believe it. All I have to do is believe and walk it, walk it out. Don't have to perform a thing. Couldn't make it happen if I wanted to. So what do I do? After having done all, stand. Don't, don't let, don't let, don't let the devil talk you out of this glorious season. If you look at the media, if you look on the the social media as well, it's so negative and so, and you can, and don't think that you, you can't read that and get drugged down into it. It's kind of like in sports, they can show you a Budweiser commercial every 15 minutes while you're watching a good football game. You're watching a good football game and your kids are sitting there knowing that they can have a Budweiser every 15 minutes. And so whether you realize it or not, you're programming them to think a six-pack of Budweiser is okay, even though you would never preach that to them, but you brought it into your house, right? Uh, let's, let's, go, let's go and look at somebody else. Let's go to Isaiah, and let's look at King Uzziah. Because Uzziah was an awesome king. He was doing everything right and the country was prospering. And so Isaiah got to believe in, in Uzziah, put some faith in Uzziah. But Uzziah got big in his own head. And so one day he went into the Holy of Holies. He wasn't a high priest. He's a king. He had no right to be in there. And then when they tried to correct him, he, he, you know, he punished them. And then he grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar. And when he touched them, he began to turn white. And he got leprosy and he died. I don't know how long it took him to die, but it took, it took Isaiah a year to get over it, you know. Matter of fact, it says in the year, but it's really telling you that it took him, it took him a year to walk the deal out. In the year the king Uzziah died. But I look at this too, and I'm thinking something has to die in order for the resurrection. If I got my focus on the wrong place, then where I got my focus needs to die. If I got my focus on a man and not on Jesus, If I'm looking for my Redeemer in the flesh instead of looking for my Redeemer, God Almighty, then I'm, then I'm focused on the wrong thing. And, and, so, and so, so that part, that had to die in order, in order for him to see, didn't it? So in verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Hmm. And he was high and lifted up, and it was his train, his glory cloud that filled the temple. And above, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they did fly. This, is there, is there, are there aliens out there? 
yeah, these guys are out there for sure. <laughs> you see them and you say, what is that? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, but, but again, so I need to turn the page here. And they cried one to another saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is filled with what? This is what he saw when he got his focus on what he, where he needed it to be. Glory. He began to see the glory. Hallelujah. He began to see the glory filling the earth. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. But he saw the future and he saw and he found his purpose. He, he really did. He, he, had, he had divine things happening here. And it says, I love what it says in verse 4, and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. We haven't had church yet. Acts chapter 4, and the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Ooh, hallelujah. How do you get there? By going there. That's right. Amen. By making a decision. I'm believing so small, God. Forgive me for my pea brain thoughts. Now I understand why I needed a head bypass operation. I understand. I couldn't see. I couldn't see with these eyes. I needed the eyes of faith to begin to see. The picture that you have for this end time harvest is baptizing nations in my name. You're talking about sheep and goat nations in the word of God. And I'm thinking, if we could just get my friend saved. So small. Oh, if I could just get enough money to buy a new something. And Abraham was very rich with silver and gold. You know, no, they had to tell you that because people would have spiritualized it away. They totally would have. They'd have said, oh, he's talking spiritual riches, brother. Yeah. Spiritual riches and natural riches. Can you imagine reading about one of those football players that tithed off his salary to the local church? One of those guys ever tithed here? No, no, you know, we're talking, these guys are getting $30 million a year salary, some of these guys. It's crazy. I know it's absurd and that nobody deserves it. Well, maybe everybody does. I shouldn't say that. All I know is the money was there. And to tithe off $30 million would help us along the road pretty well, wouldn't it? Now, if you could get a church full of people believing that God wanted to prosper them, knowing that it cost $55 billion to build David Solomon's temple, and I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost, how can I limit God and say, oh, if you could just get me enough to meet my need? Oh, God, I don't want to be greedy. We're not talking about greedy. We're not talking about needy. We're talking about the fullness of everything. We're talking about Deuteronomy 8.18. I want to give you the power to get wealth, to establish my covenant in the earth. It costs money to win souls. And I want you to have it. The wealth of the wicked is laid up in store for the just. But they're not just going to walk over and give it to us. Or will they? We're reading through the book of Exodus right now. It'd be interesting for you to take pay attention to what's going on there. No, no, they 
the, the Israelis were owed 400 years in back wages. How much are you owed? Solomon's wealth is still owed in the earth. It's in the wrong hands. I mean, you know, you think about that temple and thank God, you know, they, they, they inlaid everything with gold and there was no gold in Israel. So they had to get the gold in Africa. And so in Africa, in Africa, they had the gold, but they had no food. In Israel, they had the food, but they had no gold. And so Ecclesiastes says, cast your bread upon the water and it'll come back to you. And so they were sending grain and bringing back gold. The Syrophoenician sailors that they hired, they hired a whole crew to go get the gold to build it. Now think about this in your own life. They hired a crew to go get the gold to bring it back to build the temple. All the way to Africa. In a ship. To get the blessing to the temple. Whose house are we? Right. No, 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 no. It's big, it's huge. It's huge, it's huge, it's huge. It's so big. It's so big that if you get a revelation of it, you'd stop any goofy stuff that you're doing and just go for it full tilt. You wouldn't have time for any goofy stuff. <laughs> You wouldn't. <laughs> okay, okay, but we got to get Uzziah here happening. We got to get. Him. So he saw he saw God, and then he saw himself, and then he saw others, and then he allowed God to change him. He allowed God to make changes. Did you know that you're being changed? Come on, Second Corinthians three eighteen, from glory to glory. So not behind, and not ahead. But what's happening in the middle? We're going ahead, so, but we're being changed from one glory to another glory. And in the middle, I have found there's hell. Oh, yeah, I can hardly wait to be changed into some other glory. But I'm going to have to go through hell to get there. No, but it, some guy wrote, sang that years ago. Ron Canoli, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. But I'm going to have to walk through it. In order for me to change, something has to die, and it's not him. In order for me to be changed, something in my life has to die. I know you're all excited about it. I am too. <laughs> no, but in verse 5, he said, I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. Look at this. He said, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And knowing that, the, the whole works of you are. <laughs> For my, but, but again, it's like Peter saw that too. Peter saw that when Jesus filled his boat. He said, get away from me. Get away from me. I, I'm a, you know, I, I, now that I see you, I see me. And I thought I was all that, but now I realize I'm not. 
Big G, little G. I got it. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people, and you are the king. You are the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a coal in his hand from the altar. Ah, hallelujah. And he laid it on my mouth. There's a cleansing that came. There's a cleansing that came into my life. Hallelujah. And so I exchanged my weakness for his strength. And Isaiah said, I'll tell you about it a little later on. Read the first five chapters of Isaiah. Whoa, this, whoa, that, whoa, the other thing. But after he met God, his woe got wild. You know, it did, it did. But by the time you get over to chapter 40, he's got it cooking. He says in chapter 40 in verse, uh, let me see. He gives power to the faint. To him that have no might, he increases strength. Even the young people shall faint and be weary. There's a lot of young people right now that are so so uh, overtaken by what's going on with COVID and the other things that are going on in the world. I mean, when you realize that when we got into 2021, when we got into actually when we got, you start, you go back to, to 9-11, and move forward, and it's been it's been perilous times. Are they the end times? I don't I don't know if they are or not. But like I said earlier, we're a lot closer than we were. You know, but I struggle with things like you know. I was talking to Pastor Paul the other day. I said the first the first plague to hit Egypt was he turned the water into blood. The first miracle that Jesus did was he turned the water into wine. So the, you know the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so there's great anticipation in whatever's happening right now. But understanding it all, no, you pray every day. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Let the eyes of my understanding be enlightened, because things are changing so fast. They're saying now that a person, most people, most people on the planet in this in this decade, will change jobs every two and a half to three years, have to reinvent themselves every two 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 and a half to three years because because everything is changing so fast. And, and but the thing is, when things are changing, you 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 change from glory to glory. When Jesus said to the disciples in Mark one eighteen, he came by where they were fishing and he said, "Follow me." He didn't, mean, he didn't mean follow me for three years. He meant follow me for the rest of your life. Don't follow me until you get your stuff. You know, I'm not the genie in the bottle. Don't seek my right hand or my left hand. He said, seek my face. And so he says, those that have no might will increase strength. Even the youth faint and get weary. And the young men utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they will renew. And that re word renew is actually exchange. It's exchanging your, your weakness for his strength. It's kind of like in Ecclesiastes, verse, chapter 4 and verse 12, where he said, he said, two are better than one and a threefold cord cannot be broken. He's talking about when you braid something together and how with the Holy Ghost, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, when you're braided together with them, you're that threefold cord. 
Hallelujah. No, it's kind of like, you know, we talk about the comfort of the Holy Ghost and, and we think well, about him bringing comfort. But really, I mean, paraclete means he's called alongside to help you. He's called alongside of you to, to make up for your weakness with his strength. Amen. That's, no, but that's, a, you know, again, Zechariah chapter 4 and verse, verse 1, it's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So I'm reading all these things, but I don't have to perform them. Well, bless God, I'm going to do something different now, and that's it. Well, yeah, but it's better to yield to the, right away to the Holy Ghost. And don't allow people talk you into a change because they want to mold you into what they think you ought to be. Don't go there. Become what he wants you to be. Amen. And that might be ignoring what they want you to be. I mean, Joseph's brothers didn't want him to be a dreamer. They didn't want to see his dream come to pass. And yet, if it hadn't come to pass, they'd all died. <laughs> so your dream is your dream. It's not somebody else's dream. Your purpose is, your purpose is not somebody else's purpose. So, so when the comforter comes, he, he, he comes to compensate for your weakness. Amen to that? Amen. You okay with that? You got time for a couple more verses? Okay, let's go to Mark chapter 4, because we read this today anyway, Mark chapter 4. If you're reading through the Bible, this is an hope you are. You've got to know our purpose in doing that. The Jews, their half-tarot reading every afternoon, all over the world is the same one. And they do it because they believe it promotes unity in their lives. And so, you know, like I'm enjoying it right now because we're in Exodus and we're in Mark chapter 4. Leviticus is coming. <laughs> and so the only reason that I read Leviticus after chapter 14, especially it goes really downhill after, after that, I, I read it because, because I want to be in unity with, with the congregation. Not because I'm getting much out of it. I must confess, I don't get a lot out of that. It's kind of like reading Matthew chapter 1. I read Matthew chapter 1 and I get nothing out of it, but the devil does. When the devil reads Matthew chapter 1, he realizes Jesus has the legal right to this earth. <laughs> so it does have a purpose in being there, I'll tell you for sure. <laughs> But anyway, he, I'm not going to get into the parable today, other than to say this. He said, if you don't understand that parable, you won't understand the other 26 or 33 or whatever there are. You won't get them. you, you got to get this one. The sower sows the word, and so you got to understand that. But after he taught them, after he taught them, now he's going to give them an illustrated lesson. He taught them on the word. And then he starts out, let's go. He, he says in verse 30, 35, hey, guys, let's go on a learning journey. And they're probably all excited. Yeah, we're going. I mean, they, were, they grew up on the lake anyway. So let's say, yeah, we're going on the boat. Let's go. Let's go with the master. Let's go on the boat. And so uh, and he said, let us pass over until the other side. What is the word? Let's pass over to the, let us go to the other side. That's the word. It's like when in Matthew chapter 14, when Peter said, if it's you, master, bid me come. Jesus said, come. And that word come was enough to cause him to walk on the water until he began to look away and look at his circumstances. And he saw the wind boisterous. Let me tell you something. You can't walk on a, on a lake when it's calm. 
so the wind boisterous had nothing to do with his sinking. What it, what, what it had to do with his sinking was he stopped listening to the word of God. And so God gave, I, I know every one of you in here, God has a promise that he's placed in your heart. He's shown you something. Maybe you don't even want to tell somebody what he's shown you. And I, I recommend that you don't. And because Joseph got in all kinds of trouble when he told his dreams, right? He should have kept his... <laughs> I don't know that he should have kept his mouth shut or not, but all I know is when you're 17 years old, you can be cocky. Let me tell you, I, I, I was the top sheave and all your sheaves bowed down to me. It sounds like a guy hidden for trouble, doesn't it? Yep. So, so he says, let's pass over to the other side. And when they sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. But look at this. And there were also other ships. And it's important for you to underline that because you need to know that you're never alone. No, no, you need to know that you're not the only one going through stuff. The devil will lie to you and make you think it's because of something that you did wrong or something that you did right. It might not have anything to do with either one of those things. It might just have to do with in the world you have tribulation. It rains on the just and on the unjust. You sit around trying to think, what did I do wrong? Don't ever do that. Say, Holy Ghost, if there's something I need to change, show me that. But don't get all bummed out and condemned over things. Don't, don't, don't go there. Again, it's not about what be, and again, now they left Tiberius behind and they're on the way to the, I think actually they left Capernaum and they're on the way to the Gadarenes, to the, to the place of the Gadarenes. And I don't know if Jesus heard the guy howling one night from echoing up the lake and said, well, we got a problem over there we need to go fix. I don't know how it happened, but they didn't know anything about their mission. All they knew was, Follow me. And you gotta trust somebody to just to to just do that. Just follow along behind. And so they did, they got in. And uh, but look at this, and there arose a great storm. When you read this in another gospel, and when you read it in the Greek, it was like, you know, category four, category five, it was like you know, uh, 200 kilometer an hour, like it was a serious thing that came down off the mountain onto that lake and hit them. And the waves beat into the ship and it was now full. But Jesus was asleep on the word. Let's go to the other side. They were awake to the storm and asleep to the word. No, they were awake to their circumstances. And here's the thing. Master, master, don't you care that we perish? Yeah, that's why I brought you out here. I want to drown the whole works of you. <laughs> what he wanted to do was reveal what was in them. See, when you're going from one glory to another glory, the hell that you go through is to reveal something in you that God wants to change as you go from one glory to the other. It's like, it's like the man that says, I lost my temper. No, you didn't lose it. You just found it. It was there hiding all along. It was hiding in you. 
You had it all pushed down in a hole, trying to, trying to hide it, but you needed to go through something to expose it so that you could get healed from it. It's kind of like, if you look at the life of Job, Job's friends just wanted to be fixers. They wanted to fix Job, but God didn't want to fix Job. God wanted to heal Job. See, God doesn't want to fix you. He wants to heal you. And so when those things come up, the circumstance that you went through, bring those things up. It's so that they can be exposed so that you can receive healing for them. So when you understand that, that's when you can claim Romans 8, 28, all things are working together for your good. They are because when you go from one place to another, change happens and change is never comfortable. Change is sometimes hellish. <laughs> No, it is. It's just not fun. And so, and so what, what, what was exposed in them was the fear that they had in their hearts. Even though he had given them the promise, and even though he had taught them through the whole chapter 4 about the word and, and how Satan comes immediately to choke the word and all the things that he taught them, they forgot everything when the circumstance was contrary to them, Right? And he rose up, <laughs> rebuked the wind and the sea. But you know what he did? He stood up and said, Shalom. Peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom. And, and the storm stopped. And they said, they feared. He said, he, look at this. He said, why are you fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You don't know that you have no faith <laughs> until something happens. Right. When something happens, it lets you know what you're really believing. And when it, you find out that you weren't believing right, thank God, we got Romans chapter 10. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I'm not believing right, I can get my believer fixed. And then I get a, then I, once I get my believer fixed, I get a, I get a, get it hooked up with my speaker, yes. because death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it will eat the fruit that it bears, whether good or evil. Well, this, set the, before you this day, blessing and cursing. Choose blessing. Well, you choose blessing. It's easy to choose blessing on a Thursday night. Blessing, Hallelujah. But what happens later on? What happens when I'm being changed from glory to glory? So it's not what's behind me, it's not what's before me, it's what's within me is going to show up. And so they say character is formed. I'm saying no, it, yes and no. Character is exposed. What I really believe doesn't show up on a Sunday morning or a Thursday night. What I really believe shows up when a trial hits. Am I counting it all joy? Like wouldn't you like to slap James for writing that? No, be real. Come on, be real. You didn't like that verse. Don't tell me you like that verse. Hey, we're having a party at my house. What's going on? Yeah, well, hell's breaking loose, so we just thought we'd celebrate. We're counting it all joy. We don't have any money to pay anybody anything. Hallelujah. And so you go through that glory to the next glory, and you come out the other side stronger. I'm braided with him. A threefold cord that can't be broken. I'm braided with him. I'm not dependent on Gary. I'm dependent on God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. 
And I remember in Luke 21, 19, that in my patience, I possess my soul. When I read Luke chapter 21, I realize what he's talking about. <laughs> talking about tribulation and all that. Right in the middle of that chapter, he says, you know, you possess your soul. Your mind, you're willing, your emotions with your patience. How can I have patience, God? Well, I've got, I've got one more verse. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. One more verse. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's over in Romans. Somewhere, maybe chapter 13. And it could be 14. And it's actually chapter 15. Chapter 15, 13. And again, we've taught on this a couple of times. But it keeps coming up. Because it's so powerful. Because if anything I need to cope right now, it's hope. I can't lose my hope. If I looked at the circumstances of it, looked at what's going on in the governments of this world, like, you know, I think probably up until this last couple of decades, things happen in, in different countries. But never have we lived in a place where the whole world is being affected by the, by the same thing. You know, you can't go and find any peace anywhere. And you can't find, go find good government anywhere right now either. Not even. Not even close. So, so this verse becomes uh, paramount to me. Verse 13. Now the God, he's my God, by the way. Is he your God? Yes. Yeah, Amazon, come on, come on. Ancestry.com. Take you to Genesis chapter 126. <laughs> Peter, one, nine, Peter 2, 9, you were royal priesthood. So you're royalty, so you're above all this. You're in Ephesians 2, 6, you're seated above natural governments, thrones and principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness, rendered harmless and ineffective against you. Now the God of all hope fill you with all joy that, and peace. That word peace is the word Irene, and it means no negative feelings. Hallelujah. I get no negative feelings. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How? In believing that you may abound in hope through the power. You're abounding in hope and it's not even your, by the power, by the power of the Holy Ghost. So, so I'm, 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 not trying to, I'm not trying to work anything up. I, I, all, I'm doing, all I'm doing is 2 Corinthians 4.13. You know, they believed and therefore spoke. We have the same spirit of faith. We believe and we also speak. And, and, and when you read about what they went, you know, what Paul went through, cast down but not destroyed, persecuted, not forsaken. How many of you know he had some bad days, but he never lost his hope and his peace because he knew just like Job did, Job said, he said, even though my, he said, Job was kind of gross there. He said, even though my body will be eaten up with bugs, I know that I will see my Redeemer again on the earth in the last day. And he said, in my flesh, I will see God. <laughs> no, but I mean, Job came through all right, didn't he? But he really came through in big time when God said, if you'll go pray for your friends, how many of you know they weren't his friends? How many of you know they wanted to fix him, but they were ugly? His own wife said, why don't you curse God and die? He, he had trouble. 
But yet God said, if you go pray for your friends, I'll give you back twice what you lost. Mm. Give you back double. Double for your trouble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Doesn't he say that you possess the double? Where is that verse? In the land you'll possess the double and everlasting joy will be yours. Where is it? No, for shame I'll give you the double. For confusion you'll rejoice in your portion, and in the land you'll possess the double, and everlasting joy will be yours. That's Isaiah 61, I think. Good chapter, anyways. All because Isaiah got his eyes off Uzziah. I mean, he wrote 66 books, 66 chapters there, like just like there's 66 books in the Bible. And it's such a progressive revelation. When he gets to chapter 14, he talks about the devil. He said, I will be like the most high and I will do this and I will do that. He said, you'll be cast down to the pit. The people will look at you and narrowly look upon you, devil, and say, you got to be kidding me. This is one that deceived the nations. Remember, it's all about deception. It's all about deception at your house, too. You know, it's all about deception because when you get a revelation of who you are in Christ, it changes everything. If you just get a revelation of 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. Mature love casts out fear. And then he says, if, if, you, if, you have, if you're fearful, it's because you're not mature in how much God loves you. How much he loves you. You get mature in how much he loves you. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.